Holland Wilcox acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to all First Nations people joining us today. We are lawyers and guardians of the rule of law, and integral to that is access to justice, and that is the primary reason for undertaking pro bono work. I think firstly and most importantly, it's the ability to help people. We've successfully made pro bono part of the fabric of the place and we've got a really strong pro bono culture. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in our Living the Law Grad Life podcast. My name is Ariana. My name is Sean and we are your hosts for this podcast. Holland Wilcox's purpose is to enable our clients, our people and our communities to thrive. Our pro bono work is a major part of our purpose. It helps our communities to thrive because it provides access to justice for people who would not otherwise be able to access it. And it enables our people to thrive as we all want some purpose in our work. Today, we're delighted to be joined by two guests, Nathan Kennedy, who is a partner and the head of our pro bono and community program, and Dan Poole, who is a senior associate and pro bono lawyer. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be here. Nathan, I thought we'd start by talking about our pro bono program. Why does Hall & Wilcox think pro bono is important and why do we do it? Thanks, Sean. Uh, Well, first and foremost, we are lawyers and guardians of the rule of law. And integral to that is access to justice. And that is the primary reason for undertaking pro bono work. But there are other advantages to it as well. Uh, You mentioned that it enables our people to thrive because it gives them some purpose in their work, but it does even more than that. Pro bono work gives people the ability to practice in areas of law that are different to their day-to-day working lives in a commercial firm, and it makes them better lawyers as they pick up different and broader skills. It's also a requirement of many of our clients, and I think today it is an expectation in the community that a large business like ours should be giving back to the community. And the best way we can do that is to use our professional skills to assist those who otherwise would not be able to access them. Thank you, Nathan. That's very helpful. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about our key areas of focus in the pro bono and community program? Why and why do we prioritise these areas specifically? We don't have uh, strict focus areas for our pro bono practice, but we do seek to ensure that our resources are directed towards key areas of unmet legal need. Uh, So for the year ahead, we've looked at what those might be and we'll be focusing on wage theft and other forms of exploitation of vulnerable workers, consumer debt and irresponsible lending, infringements, tenancy and homelessness and elder abuse. Um, We also give preference to work which assists First Nations people, refugees and asylum seekers and people with a disability. I think... Uh, an important part of our pro bono work is making a difference in people's lives, particularly those that are most vulnerable. Nathan, would you be able to share some insight into how our pro bono work makes a difference and helps contribute? Yeah, I think it it makes a difference to the person in prison whose Department of Housing debt is waived in full, meaning that she will not be prejudiced in applying for social housing when she's released and is more likely to avoid homelessness and recidivism. It makes a difference to the 81-year-old mother whose son improperly influenced her to sign over her home on the promise of alternative housing, which was never provided. We got her house back and she will now avoid being one of the many old women falling into homelessness. 
and it makes a difference to the young person with autism whose disability support pension application was rejected by Centrelink. And through our relationship with the Welfare Rights Centre, we assisted at an AAT review, ensuring that he obtained the proper medical evidence and Centrelink's original rejection was quashed. And it makes a difference to the young lady unfairly dismissed from her employment, whose claim we resolved for five times the amount of the employer's original offer. So it makes a difference because without our help, these people and many more would be homeless or unable to enforce their rights to things such as social security and just and favourable conditions of work. Thank you for sharing these stories with us, with us, Nathan. I think as someone who's had a lot of experience in community legal centres and working for um, refugees as well, um, it's really great that the firm does value um, pro bono work and does give the opportunity to junior lawyers to get involved. So um, speaking about junior lawyers, can you let us know a little bit about how graduates and other junior lawyers can get involved with pro bono work at the firm? Sure. Well, pro bono is a key part of the firm's strategy. And I hope uh, in seeing how the practice is represented at things like the firm update and discussed often by our managing partner, as well as obviously by me and the members of my team, lawyers and graduates understand that this firm takes its commitment to pro bono and the community seriously. And it is something that lawyers and graduates should be actively trying to get involved in. And there's plenty of information available on the internet and on Viva Engage and other firm communications about what we do. But we are a small team managing a national practice. So we are really keen to hear from people about their enthusiasm and interest in pro bono and about what they would like to do. Um, and we can definitely always find something, whether it's a clinic, casework, or a secondment. So we have one lawyer at the moment who put up her hand to go on secondment. Coming into the new financial year, she asked her supervisor if a one day per week CLC secondment could be part of her job for the first six months, and we made that happen. So people should speak to me, speak to my team, um, look at the information available and not be afraid to ask about uh, these things and about how they can be involved in, in pro bono. Thank you, Nathan. And I think an important question that some of our listeners might be asking is sort of both yourself and Dan's story and how you ended up working with the pro bono program and what attracted you to working in this area. We might start with you, Dan. So what attracted you to working with the uh, pro bono team? Yeah, well, great question, Sean. My story is a little bit unusual and a little bit funny because I kind of just fell into my role in the pro bono team. I started as a graduate at Hall & Wilcox back in 2018 after doing a seasonal clerkship uh, and I was in the Melbourne office back then. I recently moved to the Brisbane office in the last 18 months or so. Um, and in my grad year, I rotated through four different commercial teams uh, and I had every intention and plan to become a commercial lawyer. Um, and at that time, even Nathan was relatively new to the firm. I think he joined a couple of years previously. He wasn't a partner at the time. And I think he was only spending about 50% of his time running the pro bono practice and he was still doing a lot of insurance work. Um, so I, I did a lot of pro bono work during my grad year, uh, but I didn't even realize that joining the team would have been on the table. Uh, but as I finished my grad year and I was looking at settling into one of the teams I'd rotated through, um, it just so happened that Nathan was looking for a first year lawyer to join the team as the first, uh, first ever pro bono lawyer for the firm. So I suppose I was sort of in the right place at the right time, uh, got the offer and uh, accepted it. And five years later, I'm still here. Um, 
in terms of what's actually kept me around in all that time, it's a couple of things. I think firstly and most importantly, it's the ability to help people and provide people with an opportunity to access justice uh, and to make a meaningful contribution to people's lives. Nathan gave some really good examples earlier of how the work we do makes a difference for individuals. But I think the other important thing to note is that the work that we do makes a huge difference to our society at large. Uh, I think access to justice is a fundamental part of the rule of law and to a functioning democratic society. There's simply no point having laws if people are powerless to enforce their rights under them. Um, so that's that's the thing that's kept me around. It, it's led for me, it, or it's created for me a really meaningful uh, and continually changing career. Uh, and I, I really wouldn't do anything else. Uh, the second thing is the work itself uh, from a legal point of view. Uh, it's extremely varied and intellectually stimulating. Um, I do public public interest litigation and have a pretty broad practice. So I get exposed to pretty complex legal concepts and ideas. Uh, I get to work with really great practitioners in the space and, and amazing barristers, and I get to learn every day. So that's a huge perk for me. The third thing uh, which has really kept me around is the community of pro bono lawyers. Uh, just this morning, I met up uh, in Brisbane with uh, my cohort of Brisbane pro bono lawyers from different firms. Usually we get a pretty good turnout. It's pretty small today, but I met up with the head of uh, pro bono materialists in Brisbane uh, and our pro bono senior associate from Clay Newts. And we just had a coffee, talked about what our firms were doing in our pro bono practices. And that's something that we do every month. Um, and there are other networks where we meet up. Earlier this year, we went to the National Pro Bono Conference where all the lawyers in the pro bono space from across Australia got together for a, a couple of days in Brisbane for a conference. Uh, and yeah, that's um, that's probably the, the third thing that has kept me around all these years later. It's great that being able to make such a meaningful contribution has such a profound impact on all of our lives there. Perhaps you share a little bit in these sentiments with your story and your sort of um, uh, ability in working in this area, Nathan. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Um, well, I wanted to be a lawyer for a very long time, since I was about 14 years old, and always saw the profession um, as something that would contribute something positive to the community, uh, like Dan said, and like many other lawyers, I wanted to join the profession to help people. Um, and it took me a while to find out how to do that. Uh, it really, I think, progressed for me after I finished my master's in human rights and social justice in 2011, um, which opened my eyes a lot uh, to, to the state of human rights in Australia and, and the needs that existed in Australia, and that led to a lot of involvement with uh, places like Australian Lawyers for Human Rights and volunteering at community legal centres. Uh, and like Dan, I also discovered uh, how interesting the work can be, how you can do a lot of a lot of variety of different areas that you're not doing in your day-to-day -day narrow area of expertise in the commercial firm. And I really enjoyed, really enjoyed that. So, so when I moved to Hall and Wilcox, uh, there was no formalised pro bono practice at that stage. Uh, and I put up my hand if if they wanted anyone to lead 
a pro bono practice, I would be I would like to do so. Um, and then a year after I'd been here, the management decided that they would do that. Uh, it was that it was open internally for applications, uh, but I was successful in getting the role and have enjoyed it ever since building up the practice, um, building up our team, taking Dan on as he said as the first lawyer and now we've got uh, got two lawyers and a paralegal and and Ruby is our pro bono and community coordinator. so it's really really great to have seen it grown and and also the amount of work we've been able to do to um, to grow as well. Thank you both for sharing. I think our listeners will really benefit from um, hearing your stories and your growth at Holland Wilcox and how important it is to actually be involved in the pro bono practice. Um, what would you say are some of the proudest moments you've had um, during your time as a pro bono lawyer at Holland Wilcox? And perhaps you can share some of your team's win, um, wins in the last couple of years. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I can go first. I mean, I think more broadly, the thing that I'm most proud of in our pro bono practice at this firm is how I think we've successfully made pro bono part of the fabric of the place. And we've got a really strong pro bono culture. I think there's an understanding at the firm that pro bono is something that everyone should and does get involved with and because it's the right thing to do. Um, so, you know, pro bono has been a part of the legal profession for years and years, if not probably the entire history of the profession. Um, and I think it's it's something that we've successfully recreated at this firm or, or kept alive. Um, in terms of individual wins, uh, honestly, there are probably too many to count. Uh, but uh, one of the highlights, I think, of the last couple of years for me has been working, of, working on underpayment of wages cases for usually migrant workers. Uh, I have had a, had a couple of big cases where I worked for some migrant workers who um, worked for employers for really extended periods of time, so sort of decades even, uh, um, and were significantly underpaid. Generally, they weren't paid any superannuation at all. And so um, the ones that I'm thinking of, they're in their 60s by this point, uh, had no superannuation, and things were looking pretty grim for them as they were looking at potentially retiring in the next couple of years because they've been so um, significantly underpaid. Uh, and in some of these cases, we were able to get back significant amounts of money for them, sort of, sort of in the hundreds of thousands of dollars range, which is game-changing for them because it means that oh, no, they, they don't have to rely on their kids to uh, pay their bills or put food on the table. They're actually, they'll be able to enjoy some form of retirement uh, and to benefit from all those years that they um, worked and, and weren't properly paid in accordance with Australian workplace laws. Um, so I think for it, it's just amazing to see how the work that we put in in our day jobs can really have such a tangible effect on people's lives. What about you, Nathan? Some of your um, personal favourites or um, highlights in the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I was sort of about thinking of this question um, in a broader sense about the practice itself um, and that I was very proud that we, Dan touched on it, developed a, a pro bono practice that from the start has focused on focused on access to justice and, and human rights. And, and I think it's been proven to be a very good strategy not only for the good it is doing for the clients and just the example Dan gave or some of the others I gave earlier um, but more and more it's the expectation of 
commercial clients, such as government clients, uh, that our pro bono work should be directed in this way. Uh, and it's also contributing to our ESG commitments to support and protect human rights. And it also leads to, I think, a very authentic pro bono practice, which, as Dan said, can become part of the fabric of the firm. We have very good relationships with places like community legal centres, and that requires a lot of trust. They, they need to trust us that we will deal with their clients to the same standard as we would any other client. And I think we have a very good reputation on that front because of the way we've developed the practice. So I'm really proud of our good relationships with the CLC sector and the respect we have um, in the sector. I think understanding the importance of building these relationships, particularly with CLCs and uh, clients in and of themselves, those that are of um, particular need, is such an important um, concept and principle that underpins the law in and of itself. Um, but perhaps what we can maybe speak to as well is some advice that can be offered to prospective graduates about pro bono work and perhaps what they can learn from actually being a part of pro bono work and our program itself. We might start with you, Nathan, and just some of your thoughts on that. And thanks, Sean. I think um, I've answered this with some of the other responses earlier, but my advice would be to seize the opportunity to take part in pro bono work because you're, you're very quickly going to find pressure to become an expert in one area of law. And I think as a lawyer, that can at times be unfulfilling. Um, and I think you should make pro bono part of your practice from the start. So getting on board when you're a graduate is perfect because you'll get used to it just being part of what you do and giving you some variety and a bit more meaning. Um, and clients that are extremely grateful and send you presents like socks and other interesting things that we've got in the past, which you're not gonna get from, from your commercial clients. And when we look at how much pro bono work is expected of people, the, the national pro bono target is, is at least 35 hours per lawyer per year and 35 hours, that's one week of your time out of the whole year. It's about 45 minutes a week or nine minutes a day. It's, it's really not a huge amount of time um, as a minimum, and we can probably all contribute that amount of time to the community and to our own development uh, as well. So you get to expand the knowledge of your law in different areas, discover skills that you've learned in your commercial work that can be applied outside of your day-to-day -day work. And when you really get involved in pro bono, I think there is much that is rewarding and you can feel that in some small way you've used your amazing skills to make a difference in someone's life. And how about yourself, Dan? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I very much agree with what Nathan said. I think um, being a lawyer is really hard uh, and sometimes it can be a bit of a thankless task, but it's generally not the case with pro bono work. And you will typically find that the pro bono clients that we do work for are extremely grateful and it's a real sense of fulfillment, I think, for the lawyer involved. Um, the second main thing I think is that it's a great learning opportunity. Typically, you know, you'll be working very closely with senior lawyers at our firm and senior barristers. Um, I think I have about four or five King's Council on my various pro bono matters that I've got on at the moment. So, um, and, I, and I'm working directly with some graduates actually, including you, Sean, on, on some of them. And it's not every day that as a law graduate, you get to have a chat with the King's Council and 
find out what they think about a case. So I think it's a, an amazing learning opportunity throughout. Uh, I think also maybe you're trusted a little bit more to take the lead and do some more of the legwork in pro bono work that, than you might do in commercial files, depending on uh, depending on the file and how it's structured. I also think doing pro bono work is really important to build into your practice as a commercial lawyer in order to progress at the firm. Pro bono is part of the lawyer contribution scorecard, um, and it should be something that lawyers are assessed against. I think if you just stay in your lane and do your commercial work and don't do things like pro bono, it is really hard to progress through the ranks and to make senior associate and, and beyond. Um, so I think starting from the beginning when you're a graduate or junior lawyer is a really good idea to do for your career. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming um, along to the podcast and sharing your journey at Holland Wilcox and essentially helping our audience understand how important pro bono is um, for Holland Wilcox and how it's part of our DNA, really. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening today. As always, please get in touch with us if you have any questions. You can find our details on our website, which is hollandwilcox.com.au, or connect with us on LinkedIn. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then rate, review, or follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have any burning questions about being a grad or a clerk? We'll be hosting a Q&A episode later in the season where a group of Colin Wilcox grad will answer listener questions. So please pop them in the Q&A box below this episode or DM us on Instagram and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.